0: All right, we're continuing on our series, speaking the future into manifestation from Romans chapter four, verse seventeen. And I'm going to read the text scripture. Romans four seventeen says, "As it is, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were." Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, for the accuracy and the infallibility of your word. We give you the glory honor and praise that, hallelujah, everything that your word intends to accomplish, it not only does it, but it does it with um, exceptional, abundant production, Lord, and fruitfulness. We just praise and thank you, Father, that as we believe you at your word, Father, you would deliver us from uh, various things that have uh, held us bound that you would liberate us from things that have held us captive, that you would inspire us, motivate us, strengthen us, produce joy in us, heal us and deliver us. Everything that we need, Father, we praise and thank you. And even, Father, as we would um, start to walk in your word and meditate upon your word and even more so walk in, pronounce and apply your word, we praise and thank you, Father, for the, the harvest of fruitfulness, the, the manifestation of your promises, the healing, deliverance, and all the things that you will open up before us, Lord. We just praise you, Father, for those things, and we give you the glory, the honor, and praise, Father, that even as we would speak those things that be not as though they were, we would start to see them come into manifestation. Lost jobs, lost dreams, lost relationships, lost money. Hallelujah. Years of our lives lost. No matter what we lost, Father, as we continue to speak in faith those things into manifestation, we praise you, Father, for seeing the results manifested. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As I, there's a couple of key words that I had emphasized before from our text scripture talking about God, who quickeneth the dead. God is the one who revitalizes, makes alive, or gives life to things. We also saw that God is calling or bidding forth those things which are not currently in existence as though they were. So as I shared in previously, previous weeks, in God... There is no time. Time is something that just governs the life of men. And God finished all the works that we need for our lives to equip us, perfect us, lead us into glory before the foundation of the world. Amen. So time is just a creation, matter of fact, of God that we are governed by. But when we're pursuing things in God or living our life in faith in God, we don't have to look at it as God has to produce something in preparation for our future or will it be available once I get there. No, it's more of a case that God has already done it. We have to come to a place where we're willing to accept and receive it and move ourselves into position to gain those things that He has already performed. And even in His master plan, he knew some of the obstacles that we would deal with and some of the hurts and pains and Some of the sins we would commit that would cause us to stumble off track. But God's not alarmed by those things. God is not traumatized or defeated by those things. God still envisions the same things come out of our lives that he formed, fashioned, created, manufactured, made, designed us for. Amen. So it's up to us to align ourselves with those promises. It's up to us to get to the place that we no longer look at the mistakes of the past or the trauma of the past or the things that people did to undermine us in the past as preventing us from getting into our future. Instead, say, regardless of what has occurred before, I'm trusting God, and I don't even know how it's going to happen, but I'm trusting God. He's going to get me to the things that he saw before me. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, God has made us in our likeness. And if God quickens the dead by speaking life to it, and God bids things forth, if we're made in likeness of God, God wants us to do the same thing, bid the things forth. Hallelujah! a lot of us have given up on things. We're even afraid to profess that I want this to occur or I'm believing for this. You know, we're so tired and drained and defeated from all the times we've tried to pursue things before and failed to gain them that now we're in a place that possibly... We're scared to even think of it, let alone speak or walk out in those things. But God has us in a season now where he wants us to start believing it, meditating upon it, visualizing it, speaking it, and walking with the mindset that I fully expect the promises of God to manifest in my life. So God's trying to spark the dreams in other words. God is trying to reignite some of the fires that have been snuffed out. (laughs) God is trying to uh, rebuild, regenerate, revolutionize, and even uh, bring back to life some of the things that have died in the past. But he's looking for some vessels that will believe him at his word that this can possibly occur. So we covered Several things over the last couple of weeks, we talked about visualizing things and speaking those things and then moving with the expectation that these things will manifest. We talked about not only praying and speaking the blessings of God over the thing that we're desiring, but also all the things that could be used to bring it into place. Blessing and speaking uh, godly things over them. We talked about our background not having any ability, if we don't allow it, to limit us from getting to where we're called to be, as we looked at uh, the book of Judges last week. And then we also looked at the fact that sometimes we may be looking at the very things at our disposal that are already at hand to be used to get us to our destiny, if we view them as, oh, they're not much, they're inadequate. Or if we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, oh, well, I'm just weak and insecure and inadequate, We could be the very ones crippling our destiny. So we have to come out of that mindset. (laughs) So now, oh, and we finalized it last week with talking about we cannot always sit back passively and say, oh, well, I'll just let this situation pass me by and maybe it won't bother me. Instead, sometimes we have to step out in faith and say, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to speak, I'm going to be the one that pronounces and bring things into manifestation, despite the opposition. So now this week, we're continuing on in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God upon these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones came together, Bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then it said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Praise the Lord. One of the first things we see here is that it says the hand of the Lord was upon him and carried him in the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the valley that was full of bones and caused him to pass round about. How many of us are surrounded by dry bones? Amen? Well, one of the first things we have to ask ourselves, when we see Ezekiel, it says that the hand of the Lord was upon him and carried him into the place that was full of dry bones. So you're surrounded by dry bones. The first thing you have to ask yourself is, did God put me here? Or did I navigate to this area of dryness myself? And if you put yourself there, you may have to ask the Lord, what does it take to get me out of the situation into a place that is more fruitful? But if God has called you to that place and his hand was upon you, God never sends you somewhere with the expectation that you'll go into a lifeless place and it will remain lifeless. Amen? So if you're truly at the place that God called you to be, stuff is dead, then you have to ask yourself, and am I fulfilling the assignment that God deposited me in this valley of dry bones for. Amen? Am I fulfilling that? You know, you got to ask yourself, as I'm looking at the bones that were very dry, what am I seeing? Are you seeing the exceeding great army, or are you seeing nothing but dry bones? Because if you see them as nothing but dry bones, or deadbeats, or losers, or inadequate, or knuckleheads, or people don't ever change, and oh, they'll never get their lives together. If that's all you can see when you go out to your own personal valley of dry bones, if that's all you can see, not only can you not speak life into them, but you may even be speaking death into them. Amen? See, it's very easy (laughs) to go into a place where there's nothing but dryness and then speak to the dryness. Oh, y'all a bunch of deadheads. Well, they're going to stay dead. You know? Do you think speaking death over them is going to produce life? It's not going to inspire them. It's not going to motivate them. It's not going to spark them. It's not going to take them to greatness. If they're already dead, they don't need your help. They're already dead. Amen? So the only way you could change the circumstances around is even as Ezekiel went through that valley. And you see, God took him on a tour. He didn't just drop him down the valley and say, that's that. He said, no, I actually got carried into the spirit he sent me down in the midst of the valley and caused me to pass them round about so god took him to the valley but he said oh no you're going to go on a tour first i want you to see observe and discern everything that's going on around you amen so have you gone on that tour with god where you could fully discern all the things that are there as, as Ezekiel walked through that valley, he probably saw over here, they're dry because of this. Oh, when I go over here, they're dry because of that. And when I come here, I see that it's a mix of this and that. As he went through, he was able to discern in his spirit the various things and probably the reasons that placed them into this place of dryness and deadness. So, Are we just planted in the place even if we're called there, but we never take the time to observe what's going on and why death seems to be having a stronghold there? Or do we just get there and say they're dead, they're going to be dead. I can't see anything out of them but death. I'm not trying to see any resolution to the problem. I am fully willing to accept the fact that it's dead, Jim, and it's not going to change. What is your mindset in the midst of Of the valley of the dry bones. (laughs) We see here that no matter how dead the circumstances may seem, God may want you to visualize and speak life into them. And that's why he asked the question to Ezekiel. He didn't say, Can I make the dry bones live? He just said, Can these dry bones live? In other words, Ezekiel, what potential do you see? out of all this death what are you seeing in all this stuff that's laying here what are you seeing in all those things these things that you're walking around and maybe tripping over maybe getting on you as you walk around this valley what do you see what is the future potential of all this stuff i have you surrounded by what do you see in it and ezekiel had to be the one to finally get to the place we see his first response was well you know lord (laughs) take the easy route that's what we always do God says can these dry bones live and Ezekiel says well surely you know and God's like "Uh uh-uh you're not gonna put it on me of course I know but I want you to answer the question can these dry bones live and as he had to ponder the situation God took him further and then he instructed him Ezekiel knew full well that God was the God of resurrection that could bring these dry bones back to life but God was asking him a rhetorical question that if I use you as the vessel that I have planted here into this area are you willing to be the one that I can use in my power it, with my authority delegated to you to speak life into situations that are totally dead and see this is not just the people this could be your dreams the promises over your life the goals you had in mind, I said it before, the relationships you had, the mistakes you made. Your, dry, your valley of dry bones might be different than the valley that somebody else, somebody, somebody else has planted into. But once again, it goes back to, first of all, did God put you in the valley or did you place yourself there? And then if God did place you in the valley, are you going to just sit back and let everything just be dormant and dead forever? Or are you going to do something about it? Because that's really the challenge that God was given to this day. Can these dry bones live? I didn't really need to send you into the valley to make them come to life. I could have just blew on myself. But since I put you here, are you going to allow me to use you to be the one that brings them back to life? Are you willing to step up to the plate? Are you willing to enter the fray? Are you willing to get on the playing field and not just sit back passive or are you willing to be the vessel i'm going to use to speak to reignite the fires to kindle the flames to spark and inspire people to get them up out of their situations and to turn their lives around are you going to be the vessel that i can use that's the question that god has for us and as it relates to our future manifestation and why it's important you may say well why do i care that they can live Well, two things. (laughs) The same time you're in the valley of dry bones, amen, if God's placed you there, if you are willing to accept the fact that it's okay for it to stay that way, well, you're impacted by all the deadness that's surrounding you, whether you like it or not. So in other words, we have opportunity either to be the difference maker that speaks the future in existence not only for ourselves but for other people, but to take ourselves out of a situation where it's okay for everything to go and be dead and dormant as long as it doesn't affect me the reality is it affects you all the time because see as Ezekiel was planting that field and God was telling him in the midst of that valley can these dry bones live we see at the end of the story that what was originally dry bones became an exceeding great army And that same exceeding great army that wasn't there in the beginning may have been the very thing that will help take you into your destiny. So how do you see them once again? Do you see them as just people getting in your way, causing you trouble, getting on your nerves, causing chaos into your life? Or do you see that if I do what God bids me to do to speak life into them, that the same people that I saw as nothing but a bunch of skeletons, mossbacks, deadheads, rejects, <laughs> troublemakers, a waste of life, all those people might be the very ones that now were sword and shield side by side, mutually going into our destiny. Can these dry bones live? Can they live? That's the question ha- God has for us today. In the same way he told told Ezekiel when he tried to pass it off, Lord, I'll know us. God might turn around and say, no, I'm asking you, can they live? Can I use you to speak not only your future, but their future mutually into manifestation? Realizing that when you speak their future into manifestation, it's all intertwined so that the army that's necessary to take all of you and your destiny might be literally a word. A few words, a pronunciation, a prayer, a prophecy coming out of your lips away. Can those dry bones live? (laughs) Now, as I was looking at this, one of the things that really caught my eye is that God is telling them to speak to the bones. And as I was looking at bones, I was like, you know, they actually serve five major purposes that, if you really look at it, is symbolic of our own lives. Amen? Because bones, you know, we see them and dogs burying them or eat them. (laughs) We don't really think a lot about them, but the reality is that bones are very important in the natural, but as we can apply that to spiritual things, we can see how they can parallel each other. So the first thing I saw about bones is that they provide support for the entire body. They provide the foundation for tissues and organs to build around. If, if bones don't exist, the organs would collapse onto each other and possibly damage each other. You know, bones also hold the body upright. And in places such as the eye, you actually have an eye socket, which is made of bone, that enables the eye to sit back far enough that the sens- some of the sensitive areas cannot be touched by the outside world, but it allows it to peek out enough past the bone that you can still see and it can fulfill its purpose so sometimes we don't think about the importance of the of the bones but they literally are important to ensuring that the structures that are foundational for our physical life are not crumbled or collapsed amen hallelujah your bones (laughs) will literally (laughs) save you and support you but ask us the question spiritually though what support systems do we have in our lives right now what things have we laid as the foundation and the bedrock of our lives spiritually what is there supporting you what is there giving you your strength prevents you from collapsing as you deal with daily trials and tribulations what support do you have in place in your life amen and as it relates to your future how do you view these things how are you speaking and building those things up? You know, they used to have the, the, the campaigns. Actually, they still have the com- campaigns in this day. Got milk? <laughs> they talk about you getting your, your milk, your calcium to build up your bones and keep them strong and keep, keep them dense. And even when you break a bone, sometimes they, they'll put a cast on it to support it because they want it to build up right. Or they may even insert pins. Uh, as I know somebody had recently via surgery, they may put pins in there because they want that bone to build it up right. What do you do to support the structure of your life, the framework of your life? And if something cra- cracks, something you know, is broken, how do you re it so it's stable, amen? What things do you put in place to keep your spiritual structure strong? Because if you don't have yourself supported, hallelujah, via the word of God and that spiritual support system, how can you speak life into other people to try to animate them in life? Because when they get sparked, to come back into life a lot of times they want to lean on you until they become stronger so if you can't support any weight yourself how can you support them amen so we have to have the mindset god wants to use us to not only speak our future in the manifestation and do it in the lives of other people but we want to make sure that we're well grounded and and firm and strong and able to support the weight that may come on us as we are trying to bring and reanimate the lives of others Hallelujah. Now, bones also, a second thing is that they provide protection. We're all aware that the ribs protect the heart and the lungs. Um, And they're very important in terms of sustaining life. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for the pelvic bone bone in the the females, amen, their reproductive organs would be exposed, and that could be an end of the (laughs) story. barren women all over the place but the bones provide that shielding your bones provide the protection to your vertebrae surrounding your spinal cord and the spinal cord has nerves that communicate throughout the entire body to tell how to interrelate to each other so it provides support for the communication that's within the body you know you may not realize it too but your vibrancy your um your vitality all these things could be wrapped around the things that your bones your skeletal structure protecting your body so we have to ask ourselves the question what protection do we have around ourselves spiritually are we just walking about where the enemy can sift this is weak and target us and take us down at any moment or do we keep ourselves fortified amen are you drinking your spiritual milk (laughs) do you have milk Do you have the little white mustache on yourself spiritually? Got milk, but not the natural milk of the cow or of the the sheep or the goat or breast milk, but instead the milk of the word that keeps me sustained, that keeps me strong. Are you taking in the milk that God has made available to you? And as we know, according to the word, at a certain point, you should get off the milk and get on the meat of the word. So are you getting the meat of the word to fortify yourself? If you're not getting that, once again, How can you go from being protected and shielded from the storms of life to now protecting and shielding the people that God may have you to interact with? If you're not protected to the point where you're shielded and you're under fire at all the time and getting wounded, how can you possibly protect the life of somebody else? Amen? So we're going to speak to that body and, and animate that future army or those future goals and things that are before us, we have to make sure that we are spiritually supported, and also spiritually protected. And you'll even see that in life. Amen. In the secular world, there's buildings that are supported. They have strong beams on the head. Beneath the surface, they have strong beams to keep the building up. Amen. But above the surface, they are still open to attack that could collapse the building down on a structure. So just because you're supported doesn't necessarily mean you're protect it you got to make sure that you're doing both in your lives and then that can give you the capacity to do it in the lives of somebody else as well amen so we need support and we need protection the third thing about the bones is that bones are attached to muscles tendons and ligaments which enable them to be guided in various directions or to perform tasks such as lifting bending running etc. Even with a South Foundation, though, the question is, are you pliable? Are you able to lift things in your own life, but also lift and support others? (laughs) Are you able to change direction? And are you able to be led by others, if necessary, or the Holy Spirit? What governs the movement of your life? Are you (laughs) self-governing? Are you open and pliable flexible can you change course at the direction of the holy spirit or if god has placed mentors over your life that are directing you to go in another direction that might not necessarily tie in what your plans and agenda were are you able to be pliable enough to shift gears as you are led amen that's a question we have to ask ourselves and here's the thing if you can't allow that in your own life how can you have that kind of um, leadership or authority or mentorship over the life of somebody else. Hallelujah. So if we want to be a teacher, we should be teachable. (laughs) That's the best way of putting it. If you want to be authoritative, you've got to be willing to submit under authority. Because why would anybody need to respect your teaching and your authority when they see that you're a rebel and doing your own thing if somebody else is in your life for that same purpose. Now, the fourth thing that bones provide is blood cell manufacture. Blood cell manufacture. You may not realize it, but bones contain 95% of the body's cells. 95%. I'm sorry, of the body's blood cells. 95%. I mean, you think about your blood, you just think of it just flowing through your veins. You don't realize that so much of it is actually within the, these dense bones that provide the framework of your life. But the reality is, 95% of the body's blood cells are in the bones. And here's the thing the marrow inside of your bones produces 2.6 million red blood cells per second. Your body's productive. Wow, 2.6 million cells per second and they start as stem cells which may be transformed into red or white cells or they may be transformed into platelets and if you get a disease such as uh, bone cancer or bone marrow cancer it could be fatal because it disrupts this manufacturing process and here's the thing red blood cells nourish the body and oxygenate it white cells defend it from infection and bacteria and viruses and things. And platelets provide cl- clotting to cleanse wounds or to stop the blood that is coming out of wounds. So here's the thing. Bones are very hard on the outside, but yet they're very soft and productive inside the core. So as you're looking at yourself, are you the same way? You may seem to be hard on the outside, but how soft, flexible, and productive Is the core of your being. Are you hard inside and out? (laughs) Once again, are you hard inside and out? Are you hard in terms of protection and support, but yet inwardly soft and productive? You know, are the aspects of your life flexible and pliable where in one source, Similar to the red blood cells, you nourish and you oxygenate. You bring life to stuff. In the other sense, you're like the white cells where you're protective and you prevent things from coming in to contaminate the body. And then on the other side, the platelet side, are you the type of person that if people are maybe not naturally bloodletting, but you can see this, they're just a mess, they're wounded. Can you come in and stop the wound? Can you bring healing, in other words? Is that how God has manufactured you if you're in the midst of the dry bones can you provide these aspects these characteristics of christ if you really think about it into the lives of others to be a healing bomb to be an ointment to be something that detoxifies and purges out sin and something that brings life and inspiration and motivation and support protection into the lives of other people can you provide these things So we need to pray, if they're not in place, that these aspects of our being are restored so that now we can take these characteristics and begin to provide them in the lives of other people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the other thing, the fifth thing it talks about is mineral storage. The bones store calcium and phosphorus, the two most abundant minerals in the body. Wow. And calcium serves purposes such as stabilizing Blood pressure contributed to brain function, <laughs> permitting cells to communicate, Hallelujah. while phosphorus is essential to the proper for formulation, formation rather of bones and teeth while also being crucial in repairing cells, tissues, muscles. And, while, and it also plays an important role in how the body stores and maintains energy while filtering out waste. What things are you flushing out of your life? Amen? <clears throat> what things are you detoxifying? And what things are you storing in reserve so that you are fortified during times of trial? What things are in you that can sustain you for the future? What things are in you that can help you sustain the life of other people? so that was the important thing you know some of us may feel similar to ezekiel that we're in a valley of dry bones but how do you see those bones is it quite possible that god has called you to be the one that's going to help inspire and speak life into a dead situation like i said if you had the mindset that all i see is bones 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 more bones they're going to stay dead they're going to stay lifeless But if you go into mindset that God is doing a work in me, and I'm speaking in faith, I'm believing God to produce fruit, and I'm seeing the future about to come into manifestation, it's right on the horizon. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it might be next week. But I'm believing God that it's on the horizon. And I'm speaking, like I said, those things that be not as though they were. Amen? Already there. Speaking to the future. Those things that be not, it's not here right now, speaking forth my future as though they were. Oh, speaking in the future as in if it already manifested in the past so that now it becomes present in my current circumstances. That's a deep God. Because <laughs> the reality is, as I said before, God has already done all the work you need for your current circumstances. But because you haven't experienced it yet, in our natural senses, we're like, When god god's like already did it it was done in the past but you got to believe this could come into your now by speaking into the future and bringing it into your presence into your present rather hallelujah so the army amen the dry bones can you see life in it can you even get beyond yourself to get to the point of the dry bones or are you looking at your own life and saying oh oh dry me I'm the skeleton. I'm the dried up bones. Well, if you can't believe life to be sparked into your own circumstances, and you can't believe that God can revitalize and quicken you and bring life to things that you've given up before, how can you possibly see in the lives of other people? There's no way, shape, or form you could do that. So the buck starts with you and I. Amen. No matter what I've been through, no matter how many times I've failed, no matter how many things have been broken and devastated and destroyed and may seem to be dead rigor mortis dried up in the tomb we had to be in a place in god that we say he's a revolutionary god he's a god of resurrection he's a god of life amen he's a god that envisioned things and speaks them they come into manifestation and i'm going to believe god that's going to happen in my life too like i said a couple of weeks ago if it's dead why do you still fill the pull on you If it's dead, you can't feel it. Amen? I've been around dead people. They're not grabbing me. They're not talking to me. So if you're feeling something still pulling on you, relationships, dreams, goals, opportunities, you know, ministries, whatever it is, if you're still feeling it pull on you, how can you sit back a few minutes later and say, oh, it's dead, it'll never happen? Well, how's it pulling on you? It must be alive. It's just... Not presently in your circumstances. So you have to believe it and speak it and start walking, knowing that God can bring it forth into your life and in your circumstances. Hallelujah. Now we see here that not only did God tell Ezekiel to get to go into the midst of the bones, well so he carried them in, and he had them pass them about, which means he's like, No, you're not gonna just get dropped here in the midst of the valley, but walk around. Touch that bone and look at that bone and maybe you might have tripped over a couple of the bones, a whole valley full of bones. He might have tripped over the bones, amen. So God has them all the midst of the bones and he tells them to prophesy over the bones. And when he prophesied at first, we see that the bones started coming together. <laughs> Knee bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone, you know. <laughs> Neck bone connected to the <laughs> all the bones started coming together and then they started getting sinews and they started getting flesh. But it said that the bones were still lifeless. Amen? So my, my thing to us is, similar to Ezekiel, even if you start speaking into your own circumstances or the circumstances of others, and things seem like they're starting to come together, do you just stop right there? Or do you see the process through to manifestation? Amen? Because when we first spoke, he started seeing things coming back together. Oh, the bones are starting to connect. And there's a a femur over here, and oh, there's a knee, and oh, there's a skull. They started coming back together and connecting, and they even started getting sinews and skin on top of them, but they were still lifeless. So God said, okay, you're starting to get there. They're assembled, but you still had to keep prophesying to their future. It's not good enough to say, come together. No, you need to speak life into that thing. Speak it totally into life. Take it the extra mile. Take it until it, this gore, the goal is scored, amen, or victory is secured. So you may start to see things starting to manifest, but do you keep staying with the process in your own life and the, own other, and the lives of others in your prayers and to pronounce the pronunciations of faith and the prophecies that you're bringing forth? We see here God says to Ezekiel, speak to the wind. And see, here's the thing wind, a lot of times, is associated with the storms of life. So a lot of us aren't necessarily fond of wind. Oh, you know, especially for women, you go out and the wind's blowing hard, I'll mess my hair up. (laughs) Have a nice suit on, blow something dusty on you, I'm messing my suit up. So sometimes we see wind as a nuisance or even something that brings devastation into life. And we all know Sandy was basically a big mass of wind that cost billions of dollars that we're still trying to recover from. Amen. So we see wind as being something that could be very devastating and, and, and harmful, but God tells him here to speak to the wind. So instead of fearing the wind, God is basically instructing him to take the very thing that could be destructive, and through my power, my authority, and the release I've given you, Speak in such a way that the wind will perform for your benefit. Amen? (laughs) Speak to the wind for your benefit. Because, see, the same wind that could devastate and destroy to the sailor is something that propels his ship. To the person that has windmills, it provides electrical power. (laughs) So it's all a matter of how you perceive the wind. You know, when you have a plane that has a lot of wind behind it, it could get to its destination quicker. So wind could be devastating and destructive, but used the right way, wind can be a powerful and very beneficial thing. Amen? Matter of fact, you look at it in the natural world, wind is one of the cleanest sources of power that you can be provided when it's used with windmills. (laughs) So here's a question for us. Ezekiel was instructed to speak... To the wind, amen. What things are we speaking to the winds of our lives? Or are you just saying, Oh, please don't destroy me when you see the wind starting or you hear the wind starting to whip up? Are you so busy just saying, Don't destroy me, don't destroy me, go somewhere else? Or are you saying, No, God, take that wind and use it to power something, propel me into my destiny? Or do you say, God, use that wind to carry something here? Amen. <laughs> I've had times at the big storm that I go out and I see stuff in my yard. <laughs> Usually it's junk, trash, but but if, if it was the right way, I mean it could just as well. Instead of being, that's the thing that gets me too. I don't drink, and every time I turn around, there's beer cans blown into my yard, or people walking by and they toss them in the woods nearby or something like that. But I've been the recipient a lot of times of the wind or people bringing garbage to my yard, but. In the same manner, God could pick something up and carry something good, you know, I'm saying yard, but into my life. But maybe it's a case of me asking God to do that as opposed to just thinking that the winds of life are just something that's going to annoy me, amen? <laughs> so prophesy for the wind to direct things into your life that will bring fruitfulness and then speak to the winds to go forth and spread the influence of god's blessings into the lives of others so that you can pollinate a a fuller harvest than ever before you notice there that god tells him you know to speak to the wind and it says he actually says come from the the four winds see the four winds you remember the phrase back in the day not true but they used to say the four corners of the earth you know there's a day when they thought the world's a square And you go to the end and you you fall off. (laughs) So we know that's not true. Um, But really, if you think about that, that's probably the source of uh, now, even to this day and age, we know that the the world is a sphere, but yet we still, in a sense, have the four corners of the earth. And we think of east, west, north and south. We still have four extreme boundaries of the earth that we look at. Amen. So when you're talking about four winds... God is talking about things on a global scale. You know, the number four, uh, you may have heard it before. Number seven is God's perfect number. Three represents the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You know, four represents global impact. Amen. So when God's saying, speak it to the four winds, he says, don't keep it, don't keep the things that you're speaking forth in a narrow tunnel vision. Amen. Visualize things on a global scale. Don't think small, in other words. Amen? When you're praying for your life and the things that you want to come forth, or you're praying for your family, your friends, your neighborhood, or whatever the circle God has placed you into that looks like a bunch of dry bones surrounding you, don't think small. Speak to the four winds to spread the influence of God outward, and also pray to the four winds that God will bring in his blessings into your life and into the lives of others. Amen. Hallelujah. Speak blessings. Speak provision. Speak peace. Speak healing. Speak salvation deliverance. Speak strongholds being broken in the lives of those people. Now, as I said before, what was previously dry bones as Ezekiel went around, And God asked him the question, can these dry bones live? When the hand of the Lord carried him up to that valley and put him there, the first question probably came out of Ezekiel's mind is like, seriously, like, there's nothing but death here. Devastation. Dead bodies. A place of obvious defeat. You don't get a valley, think about that, a valley full of skeletons. They didn't just lose. They were like the Olympic champions of we got our butts kicked to the point of death, like surrounding him. And God put him in the midst of that valley. And He said, can they live? And initially he didn't get it. Well, God, you know, rhetorical question from God. And God said, no, I know the answer to that question. I know I can bring him to life. But I want to know what you see in the circumstances surrounding you. And I want to see whether you come to the place where you could believe through me that if I sovereignly place you into these people's lives and I've surrounded you with all these things that seem to dead, to be dead, I want to see are you at the place where you could believe that you could speak life into them, that you could support them, protect them, guide them, motivate them, heal them, detoxify them. And I want to see if you could believe that you could not only get them on the place where they start to move in the right direction, but they go from that to being an exceeding great army. (sighs) Little did he know when he's planted in that valley of dry bones that the end result will be the bed behind army. Like, we'll fight anybody. Because think about it. God did not call that army to come forth so they could play checkers. Parcheesi, (laughs) gin rummy, or whatever monopoly god did not have them brought forth to he didn't just say an army he didn't just say a great army god said an exceeding great army i mean that was probably at the time the equivalent like of a nuclear superpower that's some bad boys down there in that valley now (laughs) and think about all the enemies there oh when you go over there you're gonna see the victory of you know, our kingdom against them and how all those people we killed. And all of a sudden, the same place where the enemy saw all the devastation that he did, now seems that, ba- that valley totally transformed into a place that now the same army that defeated not only comes out, but that army is e- greater than ever before. Do you know what that must do in the, to the mindset of the enemy? We thought we killed them. We were celebrating our victory. And the worst thing imaginable happened. We took a bunch of misfits. Their God has taken a bunch of people that we devastated unto death, and he not only brought them back to life, but now those same people are an exceeding great army full of faith that is now coming to get us. Imagine the dread that they may have ex- must have experienced. Imagine even worse than the dread what they got when that army reached them. Because <laughs> this is an army. You take... You have somebody that has been rendered dead, and I'm not talking about rigor mortis like literally dead, but somebody who has given up on life, and then the spark of God comes into them, and they see despite all the discouragement, all the failures, all the disillusionment, and me totally giving up that my life will ever change, and all of a sudden, somebody sparks their faith in me, and I'm back. Imagine the things that those people can do. Amen? Amen. That's why I'm really excited about some of the things I see Pastor Khan's doing in Camden. They had one testimony where this guy was on, on drugs and homeless. And um, th- just uh, this past weekend, he graduated from culinary school. And he's not only got a job where he's working as a chef, but now he's starting to teach other young men in the same program, you know, how to be a chef. And even more so, like, hey, they turned my life around. You can get yours turned around, too. That's a dangerous man right now. I mean, homeless drug addicted and now he's an asset to society he's working at the chop house now you know chop house is a little <laughs> little on they <day> <laughs> they they see themselves as like you know a higher scale restaurant so this is a man think about this they're going down the, the roster of all their employees you know, MBA here and uh, a master's there and this person came out of this school of culinary arts and they're going down all the thing like okay ex-convict homeless drunk, and he's one of their assets to the company wow look at God so that is a dangerous man right now because he know that God has turned his life around and now he's starting to do the same thing in the lives of others and see, God, like I said, if the hand of the Lord has placed you in the lives of people that are misfits, that are outcasts, that are stumbling through life and can't seem to get it together, or who have given up on their life's potential, and God uses you and plants there in the midst, and you can see that they could be exceeding great army and start to speak that into their lives and continue on until you see it come into manifestation those are some dangerous people for the kingdom of god so god wants us to do that not only for ourselves but he also wants us to do that in the lives of people who he has plant who he has guard picked us up and carried us into their lives god wants to produce an exceeding great army so once again what do you see in your life and what do you see in the life of the people that surround you do you just see a bunch of deadbeats losers no accounts knuckleheads (laughs) whatever negative word that you use to describe them or do you say yes they they could be knuckleheads now but i see greatness in them amen and it's not about me and my gifts it's about the god in me visualizing something in them greater than themselves and starting to speak and inspire and motivate them and, and support them and cover them with love and protection so they get to the place that god has called them to be Amen. And we will want the same for ourselves. You know, all of us have not always been on the, on the top of the heap or on the mountaintop. So there were times where we were trying to crawl up to get somewhere in our life. Hands are there dangling and we were hanging by the edge of our fingernails about to fall. And all of a sudden, somebody grabbed that risk and pulled you up to safe places. Amen? Hallelujah. So we could do that in the lives of someone else. That is such a blessing for God to be able to trust us with their lives. Just think about that. God is looking at us. Amen? Not only to be part of the kingdom and part of a, an impactful people, but also ones who can help produce a bunch of other saints as well that will move in the likeness of God, the character of God to expand the purposes in the kingdom of God. But we have to be willing to see it, visualize it, and continue to speak it. Now, next thing we'll look at is Psalm 35, 24 through 28. Psalm 35, 24 through 28. Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, ah, so we would have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Awesome. So basically, saying here, there's a couple of things that's really showing. Number one, don't worry about the voices that are cheering your downfall. There's gonna always be people that are looking for that. And matter of fact, some of the ones that don't openly cheer, they're secretly cheering. <laughs> Everybody that seems to have your back does not necessarily have your back. I wish you well. But the fact is, we don't have to worry about the voices of those who oppose us and will cheer us when we're struggling or making mistakes. Instead, we should be glad for those who rejoice and cheer us on because God loves the prosperity of his servants. We should only concern ourselves with that. Amen? So the haters of the world, let them hate. Don't get caught up fighting, going back and forth with them because you're focusing on them. You're taking yourself off course mentally, emotionally. And in terms of the blessings of God, getting entangled with all that filth, amen? So instead, only concern yourselves with those who are cheering you on in faith, amen? And that are there to support you. And even if the world itself is against you, but God told you to do something or stay focused on something, then that's good. God himself is enough, amen? We don't need the accolades of people. Um, So we could just... Be glad when somebody is partnering with us and rejoicing with us, um, knowing that that is the mindset that God has for us. He wants us to be a blessing and he wants us to be blessed. Other thing, too, is that we shouldn't get caught up speaking against them. Just because somebody has spoken against you or is jealous of you or hating on you doesn't mean you have to say, well, I wish this on them or that. Well, don't return cursing for cursing. The word tells us instead of cursing, you should bless. Amen. Because the very fact that they would be jealous or contentious with you or curse you or pray against you shows that something within them is either jealous or they're like off course in terms of the characteristics of God and how they should be focused. So if anything, if you're on the straight and narrow with God and doing what you know that you should be doing in him, you should almost pity the fact that why are you letting yourself get derailed? Why are you let, basically submitting and yielding yourself to the devices of the enemy, doing things according to his purposes and plans and mindset? So that's something actually to be pitied. We should instead just be focused on um, avoiding any, kind, any of that nonsense. Don't get caught up in speaking against them. And instead, use our voice as we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You don't have time to be wasting your mouth with idle speech tearing somebody down when you could be using that same gift god has given you to speak once again those things that be not as though they were in your life don't exert your energies in that exert your energies in god i'm moving to my future god i'm pursuing my destiny god open up this door pour out your blessings, tear down that stronghold, plant seed in this area here, bring life to those who you've called me to pray for. That's how we can productively use our words and our speech. And most of all, keep our mindset focused. Amen. Hallelujah. We ain't got time for getting caught up in all that mess. Unless you want to be entangled with that mess and anything you entangle with. See, here's the thing. The enemy wants that to happen because first of all, uh, 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 a bitter root amen as the word tells us, in the new testament it starts to spring up and trouble you and it actually says that by that bitter root that started out many get defiled not only does it come in and in- impact you and contaminate you but it grows to the point that it festers and now you start to spread it into the lives of others so we need to be careful what we're ingesting or allowed to entangle us or or get inside of us because it's disruptive to us, it's toxic to us. Amen. So you don't want to do that. And then it also tells us not to be entangled again <laughs> with the yoke of what? Bondage. God liberated you from all that. So by you getting caught up in a bunch of naysaying and debating and going back and forth and rumors and they're talking about me, so I'm going to gossip about them. You're basically Taking yourself from a place of freedom in God, where you're now liberated and on a clean slate, pure before him in heart and mind to be blessed, to now shutting the door, strapping a weight to yourself, and chaining yourself down or anchoring yourself down so you're sinking back into the same muck and mire that you previously left when God freed you. Amen? And the Word talks about that. You know, talking about a dog returning to his own vomit. That's just nasty. I've seen that before, too. Dogs, dogs are simple. I mean, a dog will go smell, th- vomit, go somewhere, come back, sniff it, and start licking like, dude, <laughs> you ain't come over here p- with licking my hand now. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> but it's, that's what God looks at us when we return to sin and entanglements. God says that we're basically dogs returning to our own vomit. Like, I freed you from that stuff, and you're going back and eating it. So we need to avoid that, keep ourselves pure in heart and mind. And as we see in verse 28, my tongue, instead of speaking evil and then godly, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. I don't have time to go back and forth with you with nonsense. I'm going to use my tongue to speak the goodness of God. Oh, yeah, I have trials and tribulations, but praise God, he's going to get me through it. Oh, yeah, those people are coming against me. I'm not worrying about them because... My God can do all things, according to His riches and glory in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I don't have time for all the naysaying and the and the, the mean speaking and the downplaying and going to behind the backs and this one's talking about that one and that one's talking about this. All y'all doing is traveling the same circle of going nowhere. When you're doing that, Amen. Rise above that stuff, Amen, and start to walk in the provisions and the promises of God. Hallelujah. Now, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 6 and 7 is very important in terms of us doing what the, the purpose of this series have, uh, was placed on my heart by God. Hebrews eleven six and 7 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Hallelujah. Faith is the key. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. <laughs> you cannot please God without faith. You could talk the game. You can seem to walk the game, but it says here, without faith, it is impossible for you to please God. Because, as we see early in that chapter in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is your faith that propels you to do what in the natural seems to be foolishness, nonsense. You know, people with a secular carnal mindset might be say, you lost your mind doing that. But why aren't you doing this? I mean, I've had times where people say, are you crazy? Why aren't you doing this? It's because like, God, I feel God's telling me to do this. You know, if I, if I went according to the world system, I may have tons of money, but I might have a bad back because I was in a car accident years ago and hit by a drunk driver, and I could have sued him out the wazoo. But at a certain point, the treatments I, were get, I was getting was actually hurting my back more. So at a certain point, I was just like, I'm not going to treat it anymore because I was actually feeling like I was healed. And every time I go in for my scheduled treatment, the next couple, you know, two or three days, we be like, Oh, my bag is killing me. And I noticed the pattern. It's like, I feel fine until I go for my treatment. And then I come on treatment like, Oh, and it would be for days. So I finally, it's like, I'm not going anymore. And all of a sudden one day, my lawyer calls me up and he's like, You know, the doctor's office told me you're not coming in for your treatment. I said, no, it's it's hurting my back. He said, well, you got to get your treatment. I said, why? He said, because the more you get the treatment, the more we can say, you know, you got a medical case and the more money we get. I said, all right, well, I'm coming to your office. I said, because we just settle this out, make sure my car repair is totally covered, your fees are all covered, and if there's something left for me, that's fine, but I'm not going to sit there and lie and and, and do something that might have a negative impact on my life. And I said, I'm not going to lie. And, said, and he's looking at me crazy and getting upset. I even talked to, I was young in the Lord too. I even talked to some of my fa- fellow believers. like, are you crazy? <sighs> and see, the thing is, from a secular viewpoint, I had a great case. Because the woman that hit my car, she totaled a couple cars, damaged mine. And she was drunk with a rental car. She had totaled her own car the previous week. Drunk. So my lawyer's like, we don't hit the lottery. But I was like, see, the thing is, though, I would have been lying. And my thing is, I don't need to be open up. I might have got more money, but as the word says, you have your own reward. you got your money, but I might be bent over back pains the rest of my life. And you just never know. So I'm like, you know what? My confidence, my conscience is clean that I did what I knew to be right before Jesus All y'all naysayers. And the thing is, it was disappointing. Some of the people were older than me in the Lord. I looked at them as my role models, and they're basically like, you better get that money. I was like, well, my God has shown to me that if I'm called to be rich, I could do it without lying. I have enough trust in my God, I could do it without compromising myself, lying, going to treatments that are hurting me, and I could believe him, I could be rich anyway. So if your God's so small that you need a quick lawsuit to get that cash, I guess you go find, see if we can get that woman's address. See when she gets drunk again, and you make sure you're on the right road at the right time. Now, she might hit you, you get damaged, you get your lawsuit, or she might kill you. (laughs) You might get something you didn't ask for. As for me and my house, I did what was right before the Lord. And I'm not rich, but I'm like, you know what? If I was meant to be, God would have made it happen anyway. I don't need to be rich through compromising my faith in God. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we see here, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it says here that you must believe that he is, and then in response to that, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen? As we're talking about speaking your future and the manifestation of the last few weeks, that's the thing we have to ask ourselves. Have you been diligent? You know? Have you become weary and at some point you prayed one time too many for the restoration of this, you know, your health, your relationship, a job, financial things, um, getting out of debt, whatever it may be that you may have prayed for, and it seems like never going to happen. Did you go from the place of diligently seeking Him for it to now? Well, he's not going to do it anyway, so you know, I ain't wasting my breath. You know, I just get tired of praying that, and you know, I prayed that a thousand times before, and I'm at the place now where when I pray it, I just feel stupid even it because I know it ain't going to happen. Amen. Is that the mindset you have or do you continue to pray and believe God for the blessings? I just remember a woman in the Old Testament, you know, Anna, and she prayed in the temple day after day after day after day. She's blessed with seeing the newborn Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. She never knew she would get the blessing of seeing the manifestation of all the promises of the people of Israel being prayed in her arms as a newborn baby she had no idea but she kept praying you know we look at hannah she wanted a child and medical science and her body told her not going to happen but yet she prayed and prayed and prayed she got to the point of diligence that she went to the temple one day and she prayed to the point that eli thought she was drunk and her husband in honor her went and made a vow to the temple if you give my wife the desire of her heart i will pay this vow and we see the manifestation of one of the greatest prophets of all time, the prophet Samuel. I mean, we see it over and over and over in the Bible that people that are walking in faith, speaking in faith, and speaking the promises of God see those things coming to manifestation. Hallelujah. So my question is, are you continuing to speak the future in the manifestation and trusting God for that? <laughs> Here's the thing that I really noticed from this passage. It says, by faith... Noah, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, move with fear. Are you waiting to move with fear after God brings the promise? Ain't going to work like that. <laughs> Noah, in being warned, move. Amen. Say it again. Noah, as soon as he was warned, he moved. He said, okay, well, I heard you, but I'm going to wait until you manifest what you say is going to happen. No. As soon as he heard it, by faith, it says he moved with godly Fear into what God told him. So, are you waiting for God to show you just a tidbit of the manifestation of your prayer requests and dreams that come into manifestation and then I'll move? Or are you moving as soon as God speaks to you? Because your very delay or reluctance to move could be the very thing that's preventing it from happening. See, God responded to Noah moving as soon as he heard the warning and moving in fear. God saw that I have a man of faith. Now I'm going to act on the thing that I promised him. If you've been waiting for God to show you signs of your future coming into manifestation and it hasn't happened yet, it could be because God spoke to you. He knows you heard him clearly. He said, oh, well, you're not trusting me. You're not operating in faith. You're waiting for me to show you a sign of it before you move. So therefore, you're not operating in faith. And as a result, I'm not moving yet. So you and God are literally both like this. I heard you, God, but um, uh, I know I'm supposed to have a business, but um, you make sure my, my um, little thing I'm doing here to get a little um, nest egg to start the business, make sure that gets into place, and then I'll, I'll move totally into the business. And God's sitting there. You heard me. I'm waiting for you to start to step out. Why don't you work on those, incorporation, those paper to incorporate? Why don't you start your bylaws or articles of in incorporation? Why don't you start planning this and that? You don't want to move? I got plenty of time. And God's got a lot more time than you have. <laughs> a day of the Lord is as a thousand years. And you're sitting there, I'll get to it tomorrow. And God said, I'll get to it tomorrow too. A thousand years plus. God's like, I can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you won't be here then. <laughs> when my, his tomorrow comes, your lifetime could be over. So we cannot sit there and wait for the manifestation of God's promises to seem to be on the horizon to move. If God's spoken to you, don't be reluctant. Start acting in faith, amen? Because like I said, your reluctance to move or your fear of moving could be the very barrier that's preventing it from occurring. Noah moved with fear. As soon as he heard it, God started bringing all the puzzle pieces into place. And we see here it not only impacted his life, but we say, see it saved his entire house. If you really think about it, saving his house was an understatement. It literally saved mankind itself by him moving and hearing the unction of God to go and build this ark. So he literally saved the world. And we see here it also condemned the present world. Oh, I got a man of faith now. Y'all in trouble. <laughs> so um, you don't know what. You don't know the cycle of what could be ending. An era of something could be over. An era of oppression and wickedness could be over just because you're saying, I'm going to move in faith. Even though I haven't seen it, seen it fully consummated or fulfilled yet, I'm going to move in faith and trust God that the future that he has shown you is on the horizon when you walk out in faith. So like I said, Noah's obedience not only saved his life, but it opened the door for God's blessings to flow into the life of his entire family. Going back to the dead bones. There may be certain things that you heard to do. Feel your call to pursue certain goals and dreams and things that you have envisioned over the years. But yet you've been sitting back waiting for fear. Fear sometimes laziness, sometimes rebellion. I mean, there's a thousand different reasons unique to each one of us why we haven't moved into those different things. But the thing I can promise you today that the Lord showed me is that once God has envisioned and purposed something in your life and you were born in your mother's womb to do it and he's given you the characteristics to not only do the thing he's called for from your life but assembled all the resources you need outside of your innate gifts if God has called those things into manifestation for your life but they haven't been fulfilled yet he is not the problem he is not the problem and the other side of the coin too he has not lost any amount of his power and the only one that may be preventing these things from coming into fruition is going back to ourselves again oh it's over party's over A lot of us are fulfilling self-induced negative prophecies over our life. People have spoken negative stuff over us that we are now walking out. And they may have spoken it earlier on in your childhood, um, later on in life, somewhere in the path of your career you felt you got short-circuited. Somebody spoke or did something that you thought cut off your destiny and it's never going to happen. And the whole time God is saying, there's nothing they can do to stop you. Last time I checked, I had a a servant named Joseph. A woman lied on him, said she tried to fool around with him. The husband gets mad, throws him in prison. His life seemed to be shipwrecked. Matter of fact, before he even got to that point of being in Potiphar's house, his own brothers, you know, they really wanted to kill him at first. But like, well, we can't kill him, so let's pretend he's dead and sell him. His whole life (laughs) should have been shortcutted because if you think about that, Joseph— The thing that incited them to finally come against their brother and sell him was him having a dream. I see you guys all bound down before me, and I'm colored with this and robes, and and you guys are bound at my feet. He saw the destiny before getting sold out by brothers into slavery, before going to Potiphar's house, before going to prison. He saw himself in the governor's mansion, didn't even understand what he saw. He saw it years before all this stuff occurred. Did it stop it from occurring? He still ended up in the governor's, you know, palace. Second in command. So the thing he dreamed came into manifestation. Why? Because all the terrible things that happened along the path never made him lose sight of the dream. One point, thirteen years in prison. He had a prophecy he shared Help get somebody else out, and the person gets out, forgets about him. He does more time in prison. Just think, he could have given up at any time, but yet he said, I still trust God that he's going to get me to my destiny. I'm not going to allow the devices of people, I'm not going to allow the storms of life, I'm not going to allow all the things that seem to come and to shipwreck me and render my life's purpose dead to render me dead in my heart. I'm still believing God that the thing he showed me is going to come into manifestation. So my question for each one of us today, what are your dreams? What are your goals? What are the visions that you had? It could be last year's dream. It could be something that you've been seeing in your life ever since your childhood. But have you allowed it to be rendered dead? It's time to start speaking it back in the manifestation of faith in god and in some cases if it's something you have to do some tasks that have to be fulfilled to get it into fruition start moving into this this task and and here's the thing don't think because you see this big humongous dream that you got to do boom the dream in one day a lot of times these big things are stepping stones you got to do this task here this task here this task here and they all accumulate Into this big thing. See, the problem is a lot of times we see the big thing and we're like, how in the world can I do that? Well, you're not going to do all that at one time. You're going to do steps here and there. And you'll find that God strengthens you and gives you the capability to do more than you thought once you begin. And then you'll also see a lot of times that when God sees you start doing what He's called you to do, well, when we get to that step, she can't do that. I'm going to send these resources or these people and they'll get her over that hump to the next step. Amen so it's a combination of things but we have to keep believing speaking and walking into the future that god has shown us and not give up and never allow ourselves to get to the place where you think it's over party's over i mean why would you want to keep living you think about it if your life is over and you just walk around day by day i'll go my nine to five and i'll eat my tv dinner And I'll stay up and watch a little TV, and I'll go to sleep, and I'll go back to that dead-end job again tomorrow. And then next week, I do the same cycle, and the next week, I do the same cycle, and then the next year, I do the same. And just every day of your life is the same old uh, climbing up over the hump. God did not create us for that. God has made us visionary. He's given us stuff that's there at our disposal and right over the horizon, if we just only believe and start to pursue those things. But a lot of it comes, once again, visualizing it, speaking it in faith, even though we don't see it yet, and then starting to do our best to walk in it. If we go half a step, the Lord will go ten. <laughs> Probably more than that. Amen? Hallelujah. So, God, who quickeneth the dead, calleth those things which be not as though they were us being made in the likeness of god there's certain things that god has called us to do the same way he's done it universally over our lives certain things we have to take ownership of and they may seem to be dead but we have to speak and quicken those things give life to them and believe that they are on the horizon and waiting to be manifested in our lives amen hallelujah let's give the lord a hand clap amen for being a god of resurrection a God of restoration, a God of recovery, <laughs> a God of healing, a God of life and vibrancy. He's a God that could do all things in his people. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a God of the future that completed everything we need in the past so that we can, by faith, bridge the gap to eternity and and pull those heavenly things down. Into the natural and into our present. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so deep. (laughs) So the work is done. Amen. Stop asking God to whip up something new for you. God's going to say no. Not because he's mean. Because how am I going to do something for you I already did. It's already done. Stop asking me to make up or do or manufacture. Appropriate what I already have done for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Into your present circumstances. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just praise and thank you, Lord, for being a God of the past, present, and future. We thank you, Jesus, that from our childhood you have told many of us through dreams and visions, through just this um, inner curiosity or this pull that we feel in our spirit in our emotions there's a certain things that you've called each one of us to uniquely some are based upon our gifts some are based upon um spiritual gifts some are based upon our inner wiring some are, are, are even on our emotions and how they're pulled on us uh, so many different traits that you've given us lord and in this time of season lord we ask you to speak to us to show us those things that you wired us for that you created us for that we could be, again, walking in them. We praise you, Father, that if any of us have proclaimed or felt in our hearts that some aspect of our life or some dream is over and never to be fulfilled, we repent of that right now, Father. And we thank you, Father, that you're the God of life and resurrection. Hallelujah. If we trust in you, we believe in you, and we have faith, there's nothing impossible for you to do or us to do through you. So we just thank you and praise you, Father, right now as we repent. Hallelujah bring back to our remembrance those things that you've called us to do and we praise and thank you father that as we will walk in faith as we will seek your face as we would pronounce things in a godly manner as opposed to being negative and and especially speaking negatively that as we would start to walk hallelujah in faith and start to believe and trust in you and speak towards your promises being fulfilled in our lives we would start seeing them coming into manifestation and we just thank you, praise your father for this that you would restore relationships that you would restore finances that you would restore jobs and and, and businesses and um, even mental health emotional health lord holly we thank you father for pulling down strongholds father and planting your word richly in us we thank you father for divine healing from the top of our heads to the soles of the feet we thank you for mental peace father Father, we come against, hallelujah, a chemical imbalances right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We praise and thank you, Father, for complete and total healing. According to your word, Jesus asks, will thou be made whole today? We say, Lord, yes, we want to be made whole, inwardly, outwardly, Mind, body, and spirit make us whole, strengthen us, and empower us. Father, propel us into our destiny, and we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We also praise you, Father, that even as we start to walk in our destiny, Father, and we see new doors opening up, that we don't just have a me, myself, and I mindset. Lord, show us the people that you've called us to impact as we're on this journey. Let us be a blessing to them. Let us speak life and peace and liberty over those who are downtrodden or may have given up on themselves. Lord, let us be the ones that even though they've given up on themselves they will see that there's somebody that they can come to that will never give up on them because we walk in the character of god and we just praise and thank you father hallelujah for everything you're going to produce out of this um the things you've taught us in this series we praise and we thank you father for this as well as victory in the name of jesus we pray amen hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus